0: Absolutely. Happy Father's Day to all of our men. We just bless you, and we thank God for you. Today, uh, our message is from 1 Peter chapter 5. As you know, over the last few months, I have been preaching through uh, verse by verse, line upon line, out of the book of 1 Peter. And we have come to the last chapter in the first epistle, written around, oh, about A.D. 64. The Apostle Peter pens these words under the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he writes to a Uh, to a group of believers who are persecuted for their faith. Uh, As you know, Nero, the neurotic uh, emperor of Rome, will have Peter martyred for his faith. He will crucify him upside down. This same Nero, about the same time in A.D. 67, uh, will have the Apostle Paul beheaded. So this is an intense time of persecution for the nascent, brand-new New Testament church as we know it today. And so Peter pens these words, and I come to this section of chapter 5, and I come to you with a little bit of trepidation because it's not every Sunday that I preach a sermon on my profession. But that's where our text leads us today. It's a message about the portrait or the responsibilities of a genuine man of God, a pastor, elder, as the Word of God describes him or portrays him. And it's only as the Holy Spirit would work it out. This passage of Scripture has so much application uh, to to dads, to fathers. Uh, You know, I am a pastor, but first and foremost, I am a husband uh, and a father. And if I had to choose to fail, and to fail miserably, whether in my profession or as as a dad and as a husband, I would much rather choose to be a lousy pastor than a lousy husband and a father to my three children." But this passage of Scripture, it teaches not only as pastors, but it teaches the priest and the pastors in the home. And you know who that is? The pastor and the priest in every home is that man. He is that guy that God has created with all of his foibles and imperfections and all. He is the spiritual headship, the leader that God looks to, to give Godly leadership to God and to lead his wife and his children in a way that honors the Lord. So in a real way, I'll be preaching to pastors, and by the way, we have lots of pastors that listen to us, and we also have pastors that are in this very room. In fact, my son uh, is one of them. He has just surrendered to the pastoral ministry, and he preached his second sermon here at Great Hills last Wednesday night and and did a great job, so I'm preaching to a lot of, of pastors specifically, but I'm really speaking to dads today and fathers, and uh, I hope that this message encourages you. Pardon me, no jacket. I, in a few moments, I will be drenched in sweat. It's not pretty, and I don't smell good at all. I mean, this, this shirt, undershirt here, will be just, just drenched, and when I put that jacket on under these lights, whoo, man, it is it is, on, it is on fire. So anyhow, I, I appreciate you not letting me wear that, and I, I, feel, I feel good about it. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. So let's read the text. We make much of Jesus here at Great Hills, and we make much of His Word because we believe that the Bible is the inspired, and errant Word of God. It is God's perfect Word to us for all matters of faith and practice, and we believe it, we cherish it, so I'm going to read it and preach this message to you. The elders, presbyteroi, the presbyter, the presbyter, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I call you near. I also, Peter says, am a fellow presbyteroi. I am an elder, and I am also a martus. That's where we get the word martyr in the Greek, martus. I am a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and I am also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Now watch what he does in verse 2. He gives this imperative command. He says, elders, shepherd the flock of God which is among you and serve as episkopoi. where we get the word episcopal or episcopalian. It means to have the oversight. Have the oversight not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but be a tupas. In the Greek, the tupas, we transliterate that into English, and that is the word type. Okay, it's an important word. We'll come back to it in a moment. But serve as an example to your flock. Verse 4 says, and when the chief shepherd appears, capital C, capital S, CS, that is Jesus Christ, okay? He is the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, and when he appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Serving as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel, I believe it is one of the highest calls that can be placed upon a mortal man. Uh, One of my mentors in the faith, Paige Patterson, said these words. He says, yes, being a pastor is actually the second greatest profession in all the world. The greatest is being a mom, and I I can't argue with that. Another man wrote these words. He said, Phillips Brooks says, do not stoop to be a king when God has called you to be a preacher. Do not stoop to anything else, any other profession, as lofty and as magnificent as it may be, but if Almighty God calls you out, and he singles you out to be a, an episkopoi, a, a presbyteros, a poimeno, which is a shepherd, someone who leads a flock of God. i put this upon you, men. If God is calling you to do that, then you need to do that. And I need to do a better job of calling out the called in our congregation. And if you're listening on television, on DirecTV, all over the nation, or if you're here at Great Hills Baptist Church, or if you're watching us online, I give you this clarion call. If God Almighty calls you to lead a flock of God, then you surrender and you do what God has called you to do. Now, that's not easy, but and it's not for everybody. Trust me, it is not for everybody, but it is for those that God calls. However, this is for everybody. If you're a man of the male gender, who I am speaking to today, God looks upon you, if you will, as the presbyteroi, as the episkopos, as the poimeno, the person in your home who shepherds, who leads, who protects, who guides. And so this message today, I, I really hope that... That you don't tune it out, that you don't say, well, this, this is not for me. And ladies, I hope you don't take a holy siesta on me and just fall asleep and say, well, you're just talking to the men. This is Father's Day. I'll just think about what I am going to do for the rest of the day. No, no, no. Stay with me. Because as we open God's Word, we preach God's Word. I mean, He has a message for all of us. And if we would just hear it. So today, I want to share with you, first of all, the recognition. Peter recognizes who's, who these men of God are. He begins in verse 1 when he says, you are elders and I am an elder. Presbyteroi. It's interesting when you read this text and you compare it with Acts chapter 20, the the same terminology, the identical phraseology that is used to describe pastors uh, in Ephesus as Paul meets with them on the little place called Miletus. In Acts chapter 20, as he rounds out his third missionary journey, he says these words, from Miletus... Paul called to Ephesus. And he called for the elders, the presbyteroi of the church. Same word that Peter uses in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. And then in verse 28, he says these words. Therefore, you elders take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you an episcopoi, an overseer, someone who gives leadership and oversight to his congregation And you poiimento, you shepherd, you, you are a good shepherd, and you lead, you feed, you are willing to bleed, and you intercede for that flock which God purchased uh, with His own blood. This is a very lofty passage of Scripture that defines spiritual maturity and spiritual leadership and as men of God who are going to shepherd, and as men of God who are going to lead their homes, that is a lofty calling. I I tell you, that is an awesome thing to be chosen by a holy God, to administrate, to give godly, consistent, perpetual leadership, to serve as an example to the flock of God and to serve as an example to those who are in your home. One writer puts it this way. He says, when a man enters into the ministry, no small honor is conferred upon him. He is entering on the oldest religious office in the world. The history can be traced through Christianity and Judaism 4,000 years removed. And no small responsibility falls upon him. For he has been ordained a shepherd of the flock of God and a defender of the faith, end of quote. It's interesting in verse 1, Peter says these words, I also am a fellow elder. Now, and that's interesting. He did not say, I am the Holy Father and the pontiff and the holy pope of all. That's not what he said. That's what tradition and that's what man says Peter was. But Peter says, I am a pastor. I am a fellow servant of yours. And it's interesting that he, he does not look upon himself as something that he is not. Peter says, I am a fellow elder, not a pontiff giving edicts, but I am a shepherd of God, and I am leading you, the people of God, to be men of God, to serve the people of God, and to serve as a good shepherd like a good shepherd would serve his flock. He goes on to say, I'm also a martus, I am a witness for Christ. And by the way, he was not joking around. In verse 1, when he calls himself a martus, uh, Christian history says that Peter was definitely crucified upside down. In Acts chapter 5, verse 40, he was beaten for his faith. In Acts chapter 12, he, uh, he was arrested, he was incarcerated for his faith, and we read right here that this same Apostle Peter says, I am a willing, suffering servant for Christ. So it's very interesting as he he recognizes the fellow elders and he recognizes exactly who he is. And I think it's always good for a man of God, a shepherd, to understand who he is in Christ. That it is a lofty, awesome profession to be. A, a pastor to be a man of God. Robert Murray McShane wrote these words to a young man, to a, to a young man who was entered into the ministry, and he wrote these words at his ordination, and he said, Do not forget the culture of the inner man. I mean, don't forget what is most important, matters of the heart. Remember, you are God's sword, His instrument. I trust a chosen vessel unto Him to bear His name. In great measure according to the purity and perfections of the instrument, will be the success. It is not great talents that God blesses. Can I just put a parenthetical, interject a word there? Amen! It's not great talents that God, He blesses, as it is great likeness unto Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hands of God. End of quote. Can I extrapolate from that a basic axiomatic truth? And it goes like this. A holy dad, a godly father, is an awesome, I mean powerful instrument in the hand of Almighty God. I believe today that these United States of America, by and large, we are in the predicament and we are in the mess that we are in. And it's not because of politicians, it's because of pastors and dads. I do. I really believe that. I believe we have abdicated our divine right to lead, and we have left that to others. We have left it to teachers, and we have left it to uh, uh, people in Hollywood and people that, that are influential. But I'm telling you, when God looks at a nation, and when God looks at a church, and when God looks at a home, He is looking for men of God, men of God who have a backbone of steel, a hide like a rhinoceros, and a heart like a lamb. I mean somebody who will take a stand for righteousness and take a stand for Almighty God. And I believe the great hope for America is for pastors, men of God, to preach the Word of God and live it, and for dads in homes to stand up and say, I am a leader. This is my responsibility. And by God's great grace, I'm going to fulfill my duties. <clears throat> so, so recognize, men. Recognize. This, this is who you are. And you need to look at your lady and say, this is who I am. Check it out. And, and she'll say, that's right. Come on, honey. I'm pulling for you. Lead. Number two, I want you to notice the responsibilities. It's not all recognition, by the way. It's responsibilities. What, what are we to do? Well, first of all, Peter says, in the, in the aorist imperative, in the Greek New Testament, he says, shepherd, verse 2. And we know what that means. It means care for. It means to nourish and provide for. Shepherd the flock. It's interesting. That's the analogy that God uses for pastors and the congregation. I am your shepherd for, for good and for bad. I am what I am. You got what you got. Three years ago, almost to the day, you voted me in almost unanimously. We want you to be our shepherd. We want you to preach to us the Word of God. We want you to model what a godly man looks like and a godly father looks like and a preacher of the word of God. And I just want you to know something. Can go, can I as a mere mortal fragile human being say, but for the grace of God, I cannot do that. That is a huge responsibility. And I, I have just feet of clay. I am a mere mortal man. I stump my toe and get angry just like you. And so I need your prayers. It is huge responsibility. Shepherd. Care for, tend the church of God. You know, Jesus told Peter three times in John chapter 21, 15 through 17. He said, Peter, feed my, anybody? Sheep. Three times. Peter, do you love me? Oh, Lord, Peter, the guy who wrote this epistle. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Well, y- yes, you know, I love you, Lord. And I just told you that a second ago. Feed my sheep. Uh, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter's like, what's up? I just told you twice. What and I think Jesus, for emphasis, wants Peter to hear it, and he wanted me to hear it, that my primary responsibility is to feed the flock of God. And the best way that I can feed you is not come to your home at dinner time and spoon-fed you some bluebell ice cream. Nope. Or cut up your steak. Nope. My primary responsibility as a man of God is to preach this book. I am to encourage you and teach the Word of God. And I'm so honored to be able to do that. That is my, that is my great calling. That's what predominates most of my time. You say, well, what do you do with your time? Do you play golf and hang out? I did not played golf in months, and that's a problem, by the way. Yeah, it is. That's a problem because, because you got to get out. Guys, some of y'all need to take me out and tee it up, all right? I'm just telling you, I need to get away sometimes. I work seven days a week now. It's ridiculous, I don't need to be doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm studying systematic theology on Friday and Saturday. Some of y'all are looking at me and say, dude, you need to get a life. I mean, I'm telling you, you need to get a life. But I love this church. And I don't want to burn out, but I want to max out for God. And systematic theology in the fall is going to be on like Donkey Kong. We're going to have an awesome time studying Thursday mornings at 645 in the Great Hall. I'm going to take you through Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. You say really? Do you you really enjoy doing it? Yes! I am to feed you the Word of God, the doctrine, the orthodoxy, the dogma, the history, the philosophy, the theology. Man, I love doing that. I love teaching you the the Scriptures and the deep things of God. But you need to get a balance there, or at least I need to get a balance there. I heard a great message. um, It was so great, I can't remember when I heard it. Monday night in Houston, Texas. Uh, Just a few nights ago, I heard Governor Mike Huckabee, the good governor, preach a sermon. It was an awesome sermon on this very text, John 21. And he said the primary responsibility of a man of God is to do three things, and I was taking notes. He said you are to feed your people, you are to lead your people, and you are to be willing to bleed for your people. And I would humbly add one other thing that is of preeminent and primary importance, and that is I am to intercede for you. So let's break those down just quickly. What does it mean to feed? I believe just like a shepherd takes care and leads his sheep to the pasture and to the green grass, I am to lead you. Dads, what does that mean? You say, no, 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 preacher, you're doing fine. Just keep talking about you and keep, keep, just keep talking about being a pastor. Amen. Well, I am No, no, no. Not so fast. Dads, you are the primary spiritual leader and pastor in your home. When's the last time you opened God's Word, read Scripture to your family, and prayed over your family? You say, well, preacher, you done go to meddling because I just don't do that. I just, I just don't speak very well, and I'm just not doing No, 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 you need to do that. That's your responsibility. You are to shepherd, you are to lead. I am to lead. Number 2, we are to excuse me, feed, we are to lead. That means we are to give guidance. We are to cast vision. We are to give direction. For three years, I have been preaching and promoting and promulgating this radiant church vision in Austin, a a church that is a city on a hill where we worship Jesus with passion and we teach the Word of God in depth. And then we go and we make disciples of our neighbors and our nations right here in our homeland, in North America and beyond. And that is the leadership the vision that I'm giving you what about being willing to bleed yes we need to be willing to bleed I shared with our Indian brothers and sisters yesterday in a message nine o'clock yesterday morning loved preaching to y'all by the way y'all are a great audience great people I'm telling you there are more engineers and doctors right there than you'll ever meet and there's some wonderful people brilliant people and they love Jesus and I told them there's probably coming a day Well, I'm going to be heavily censored, maybe fined, even possibly even incarcerated. That's probably what's going to happen to me. When we... Should I go there? Um, Thank you. I appreciate that, but I'm thinking about... It's almost 12 o'clock, and I've got about two more points. So let's see, one more point. Not often I'm lost for words, but I'm kind of lost here. Anyhow, it, it, could, it could happen. If we continue to equate homosexuality with rights, human rights, we're going to be in trouble. Because the Bible never makes that distinction. Okay, That is a man-made political distinction. So I've got to be willing to bleed. I've got to be willing to preach the truth, and if it costs me, and costs me, it probably will, That is my responsibility. and That is what God has called me to do. And finally, intercede. You know what that means. That means to pray for you. Amen. Let me keep going. Responsibilities. Serve, he says, as an overseer. Can I look at that word with you just briefly in verse 2? That word, episkopos. Can we break that down in its etymology for just a moment? Epi means uh, over, like epidermis. What is that? That's the skin that covers over your body. Episcopas, scopeo, scope. What does that mean? It means to look. It means to peer into like a telescope or a microscope. And when you put the two together, a good pastor and a good father looks over and he analyzes and he evaluates and he gives good godly oversight to his church, and to his family. And and that's what Peter says. He says, be, serve as an episcopus, an overseer. And here's some more responsibilities. Let me give these to you from the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy and in the writer of the book of Hebrews, whoever that is. Only God knows who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some say it's Luke. Some say it's Apollos. Some say it's Paul. I don't know. I'm just glad it's in there. Here we go. Let the elders who rule well... The the Pastor Danny, that's, that's me. That's who he's talking about, okay? And he's talking about us pastors and shepherds and ministers of God, those who rule the congregation. And that's an interesting word. It means to rule. It means to lead. It also means to guard. Let us be counted worthy of double honor. I like this. Amen. Let me read some more of this. Let us be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in the doctrine. Okay, now that's what pastors are to do. We are to labor and to study the Word of God and doctrine so that, are you with me? So that you can be spiritually fat and happy, all right? So that you have nourishment in your spiritual soul. That is a responsibility. Oh, look at this one. Y'all ready for this one? Hebrews, obey those who rule over you. Man, I'm liking this more and more. Look at it. Obey those who rule over you. And be submissive, for they watch out for your soul. What do you think is harder? For you to obey and be submissive to me or for me to watch out for your soul? I'll tell you what it is. It's the latter. And I must give an account. But let me do this with joy. Let me serve you with joy and not with grief. Because if I serve you in grief and sadness, that's not going to be good for you. It's going to be unprofitable for you. It's interesting, the Bible has a lot to say about pastors and and churches. Uh, uh, There's a lot of word studies and Greek and all that fun stuff in those verses, but I just don't have time. By the way, if you want a copy of this, go to our website, download it. Got all the Greek, got all the commentaries, got all the references and all the footnotes. I have a mini research paper every Sunday, and it's yours. Take it. You're welcome. Okay, let me keep going. Next, Peter says, shepherd not by compulsion. What does that mean? Not, not because you have to in verse 2, but because you want to, because you're, you're willing. Not for dishonest gain. Preachers, pastors, are you listening? We don't do what we do for money. I tell you, the pastor who says, can I look at your salary package before I go any further and talk to your search committee, that guy's not worth his salt, He's more interested in, <laughs> I think the King James says filthy lucre. I mean, he's more interested in money than he is in ministry, okay? Here's what I'm finding out. If I just do what God's called me to do, you as a congregation, you rise up and you, you take care of me because that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. And then he says, don't be a lord over those entrusted to you, no, nope. but be an example to your flock, not by compulsion, but willingly. Fathers... You don't do what you do because you have to. You do what you do. You love your congregation, your little priesthood. You love that flock that God has entrusted to you. And you do it out of the goodness and generosity of your heart. And you do it, dads, because you love them. I tell you, Ashley and I, we were driving back from Houston Wednesday. And we were, man, we were we were moving fast on, on 290, but it's okay. You can go 75 on 290. Okay, just don't go 90, I know. And I'm just kidding. I didn't. I didn't. 75, run in here, I mean dive into the office, I'm working on this sermon and then I'm running over to the UUPG, Woo, son that was an awesome meeting. And we are, we are on to Asia, South Asia as a church. Had 35 people looking at our UUPG. If you don't know what that UUPG means, ask me and I'll tell you. And then I, I run on over to hear Bryant preach at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. On our way over here, my wife turns to me and she says, I just want to let you know something. And this is, this is amazing because I was thinking the same thing that she is about to say. Are we getting old or what? That, that's what they say happens. We start thinking alike. I just wish I could look like her. You know what I'm saying? Man, she's beautiful. Mama Sita. All right, Mother Sita. All right, here we go. She said, you know what? What an awesome honor and privilege for us to serve Great Hills Baptist Church. I said, honey, you don't know them like I know them. No, I didn't. I didn't didn't say that. (laughs) I did not say that. I didn't even think that. I was saying the same thing. I said, "Asher, that's precisely what I was thinking. What an honor. What a sacred trust God has given to me to be your pastor, to be your shepherd. And Peter says that's, that's what you're supposed to do because you're supposed to do it. <clears throat> and you are to do it not for money. You are not to do it for applause. You are to do it because this is a sacred trust God has given to you. And let me skip down and say the, this. Peter says, serve as an example, verse 3, as a tupas. This word means to leave an imprint like you would leave an imprint by a tool on metal or an impression. That, that, that men of God, pastors and shepherds, and can I extend this to dads, we are to so leave a tupas, a type, an imprint, a seal, upon those that God has given us to influence uh, for good. Uh, Harvey McKay, who wrote this book, Swim with the Sharks, he's also written an article that I found very interesting in the Chicago Tribune. He wrote an article about good leaders. And you know what I'm finding? that Principles are transferable. When you have the salient, basic principles, they work in the church and they work in the business world. And he wrote an article about a man by the name of Philip Pillsbury. Y'all remember the little Pillsbury doughboy? You poke him in the stomach and he, he, grits, he grins, he laughs. Some of you younger people are saying, didn't catch that at all. Some of you older people, y'all remember the little... Y'all help me, please. Don't you? Thank you, thank you. Poke him in the stomach and he laughs. Well, the, 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 the guy who began that company was a man by the name of Philip. Philip Pillsbury, if you looked at his right hand, three of his five tips of his fingers were missing because he got them caught in a grill roller and they they tore his fingers off his hand. But he had this reputation among his employees that he would roll up his sleeves, he would get in there with his employees, and he would work with them. Now, I don't know about you, but, but when I visualize that in my mind's eye and I see the president or the CEO or the main guy rolling up his sleeves and saying, hey, can I help you today? You know, I've got a couple fingers here, still pretty good. Let me get on in here and help you. And this is what McKay said about him. The higher up you go, the more important it is to stay in touch with your customers and your employees. Now, I'm talking to some of you presidents and some of you CEOs. Listen to me. You don't have to put your hand in a grain roller, To prove you are a good manager, but you should walk your plant every day. End of quote. Example, a type. Shepherd the flock of God. Serve as an overseer. Not by compulsion, but not for dishonest gain, but be an example. And let me go quickly, because I know it's Father's Day, and I know you want to beat the Presbyterians and the Methodists to lunch, and that's okay, that's wonderful, okay? Speaking of Presbyterians and Episcopal, it's interesting that our words, that's where they get their denomination. Like Baptizo is where we get ours. He said, let me give you the rewards. I'm glad you're sitting down, because this will make some of you just want to shout. Peter says, verse 4, and when he comes, and he is coming, they call him the chief shepherd. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He is the door, and He is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He is the eternal God put on human flesh. He is Son of Man, Son of God, Son of Righteousness, the Holy One, born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life died a vicarious, substitutionary death. He hemorrhaged and poured out His blood on Calvary's cross. Up from the grave, God the Father raised Him from the dead. And then, after 40 days of ministering and serving, He ascended to the Father. And the angel said in Acts chapter "Oh, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heavens? That same Jesus, who you saw leave, will one day Come again. Glory to God, He is coming again. You may not believe it, but I'm totally convinced of it. And when, notice what Peter says. Peter says, and not if He comes, but when the chief shepherd comes, you will receive the Stephanos. Now, we have any Stephanies or Stephens in the house today. You got a great name. Your name means a crown. A, a crown, a, a, a wreath. You you will receive this crown. The Stephanos was given to the champions in the Olympics or in the races. They were given a laurel wreath, and some of it had medals on it. But all of those would fade. But then he says, but you will have a crown of glory that does not. And it's interesting, it's the word amarantinos. It's where we get our word amaranth, which is a plant that even if you cut it and pick it off the... the, the the flower and pick it up you put it in a a vase of water and it flourishes that's the word he uses and he says you will receive a crown of glory that will not fade away i don't think i'm being too far gone when i say this i know what the text says i know that first peter chapter five he's talking to pastors and elders and leaders i get that okay But I can't help but extrapolate this truth. And I I think it's okay. Y'all know me. I'm not a person of eisegesis. I don't want to read something that's not there. But I think it would be okay to say, dads, fathers, if you will lead your family, if you will intercede for your family, if you will feed them and nourish them spiritually, and yea, even be willing to bleed and lay down your life for them, I believe with all of my heart that God will greatly bless you. I believe he will reward you. I believe he will encourage you not only in this life, but in the life to come. Because that is an awesome, holy, amazing calling. And ladies, can I just say, I don't want y'all to feel left out. Can I say something to you? You want to say something to the ladies, Dan? Sure I do. Okay, good. Just talking to myself here for a minute. I want to say something to the ladies for just a second, okay? Ladies. If you have a guy that loves God, and he's trying to keep his nose clean, and he's trying to do what's right, and he loves you, ooh, let me tell you, if I were you, I'd just kind of reach over there and say, man, you my kind of stand by your man. I mean, you, you want to reach out to him and say, man, let me tell you something, I know you're not perfect. And I know you got your warts and fourables and all your freckles and so forth. But I just want you to know, you love God and you love me. And I just want you to know, honey, I sure do love you. And I sure do appreciate you. And I sure do respect you. Women, let me just tell you something. Women, women, women. Listen to me carefully, okay? Before this day goes by, you have got to tell your man, honey, I want you to know I love you. And I just think you are absolutely amazing. So do that, okay? Guys, you're welcome, thank you, you got it, all right, it's all good, yeah, you got it. Okay, it's, it's 10 after I have got, I man, there's one more thing I want to share, and then, then I'm going to let you go. i don't get excited about preaching the, preaching the Bible, and I don't know, come fall, maybe I won't preach so long, since I'm going to be preaching every Thursday morning at 6.45. I mean, how many of y'all, don't raise your hand, because that'll scare me, If three of you probably will raise your hand. I'm interested. I do really want to encourage you. I mean, I am studying hard. This is June, for September, to teach you systematic theology. And I hope it blesses you. I hope it encourages you. John Morgan is a friend of mine, and he is one of the most amazing men of God I've ever met. 1966, he became the founding pastor of 16 people in Houston, Texas, at the Sagemont Baptist Church. How many of y'all have heard of Sagemont and Brother John? Many of you many of you have. I preached his 40th year. I was one of a f- group of preachers. We came in for many Sundays in 2006 and I was preaching his 40th year dedication there at Sagemont. By the way, they started with 16, now they got like 5,000 plus. And everything they have in facility wise, it's all paid for in cash. John Morgan is an interesting guy. He is a I mean, a world hunter. I mean, he is a big-time, man's-man kind of hunter kind of guy. But John Morgan is such a tupas for people like me and for dads everywhere. I remember I asked his associate pastor, Emery Gad, I said, what, what is he really like? Can you, can you tell me what John's really like? You know him. And he said these words. He said, John has no arrogance. He does not micromanage. And, you know, he doesn't even know half of what goes on in the church. And, and by the way, that's actually a good thing. And the more Great Hills grows and the more ministries we have, the less and less I understand and know. And that's okay. I don't have to micromanage. I don't have to know everything. And then Pastor John said these words, and I I, I want to close after after I say these. okay? He said, I try to lead by example. Two 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 Tupas. if we need satellite parking, I park the furthest away. When we eat, I never go first. Ashley, I know, I'm doing better. When I was a young pastor, I'm, I'm not kidding you, when I was a young pastor in Keller, Texas, I was 27 years of age, I was working on my PhD, I was going to school full-time, and, I was, and, and they would have a potluck, I'd just go to the front. I'd just get in line and say, let's do this, feed me. And my gracious, godly wife, she'd come alongside. she said, you probably ought not to do that. I said, why not? I'm hungry. So, anyway. He said, I never go first. He said, be low-key. He says, people call me Brother John. If you have to tell people you are the pastor and you only answer to God, buddy, you're in big trouble. We have Wednesday night suppers. I began bussing the tables. Then some staff helped me. I didn't tell the deacons. And about after a year, the deacons join me. (laughs) A year? The deacons join me. Some members have tears in their eyes, and they say, we we don't want you to do that. We don't want you to serve like that. That's that's our job. Well, that's the kind of guy that he is. If you're here today and you'd say, Brother Danny, by the way, that's cool with me. Y'all want to call me that? When I first became your pastor, I don't know how many of y'all came to say, what do you want us to call you? Reverend Dr pastor, preacher, and I was like, call me what you want, just don't call me late to dinner, amen? No, no, I said, no, I, I think that's honorable. I'm okay with you saying Brother Danny. I think that's cool. You know, Kyle, you and I have talked about that a lot. If we have to say, well, you call me this or that, that's not cool. That's, that's not good. But you can call me Brother Danny. I believe there's many Brother Dannys here today. There may be some in our Indian Fellowship. There may be some of our young men like Bryant. And there may be some guys like Stephen over here. Surrender the ministry. We're losing him. He's going to go to Southern Seminary. And we just lost another guy, BJ, who was in our church. Now he left us, and he's going to go be a pastor. That sorry rascal, I'm just kidding. That's a good thing, isn't it? Isn't that a good thing? We raise these people up, and then they go. and they, I wonder if there's some men in here today who would say... That's what I need to do. I need to surrender to the gospel ministry. And I'm willing to do it. I wonder how many of you are like that today. Would you know that I, I would be honored to talk to you about that and to pray with you? Some of you are men today and your dads, and you would say, Brother Danny, I want you to know something. I am not leading, I'm not feeding, I'm not interceding, and I'm doing no, no bleeding for my family. I, I tell you, if I had to say, the spiritual leader in our home is, is the wife, and I've abdicated my right, and I've given my right to lead to her, and she doesn't really like that. In fact, she wants me to lead. Can I just encourage you today? I don't know if you've heard this message today or not, but I, I really did not try to come across pointing fingers, guns a-blazing, you sorry, reprobate of a father. I'm, I'm, I'm not that. I'm coming to you saying, come on, guys, you can do this. You can be this kind of man that God wants you to be. But first of all, in order to be a man of God, you got to know God. you got to yield your life to the Lord. I mean, this book and these stipulations and requirements, they are impossible. Unless you first say, God, I'm a sinner, I need your help, I yield my life to you. Now, when you do that, then it gets exciting. And then God takes you where you are and he begins to build you. And, and to mold you, okay? So men, would you stand up with me real quick? Men, ladies, please don't stand. Men, would you all stand up? Man, what a nice-looking, handsome group of men. This is awesome. These are good, good men right here. And so men, um, I just want you to know I love you, I appreciate you, and um, I, I'm just honored to be your pastor. And I want to I wanna say a prayer for you And then we're just going to move right into our time of invitation. And if you're here today and you'd say, Brother Danny, man, I want to be that man, or I want to be that godly teenager, or I want to serve the Lord, man, we'll have pastors up here, we'll have ministers, we'll have counselors. Man, our staff, where were those men of God? I'm telling you, where are y'all, Mike? Terry, are you in the back? Debbie, is he in the back? Terry, Ross, y'all come on up here with me for a minute, all right? Mike, come on over here. Chad, are you back from the beach where are you? He? He's probably serving in the preschool. He's in the nursery. No, there he is right there. That's a big toddler right there. Come on out here, big man. <laughs> Ooh, I like these guys. And Miss um, Laura, where are you, Laura? I know you love this, but I want you to come on up here with me right quick. All right. Mike, Terry, Chad, Ross, Laura. Because I pray for them every day. This, these are your elders okay of your church these are your ministers that i'm not in this alone we shepherd you we love you we care for you we serve you 60 70 sometimes 80 hours a week that's what we do okay but hopefully coming soon in the next few months we'll be able to get us a young adult pastor oh thank you lord we're gonna get us a young adult pastor one day and so i want y'all to stand i want to honor you because i love you very much and i want to pray and then we're going to have our invitation Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in church today. Thank you, Lord, for these men of God. I appreciate them. Lord, I pray that you bless them. Oh, God, I pray for them. Everything in this world, Lord, tries to tear them down, whether it's Internet pornography or whether it's bad influences from other people, I pray that you would hold them up and you would strengthen them to be men of God, men of righteousness, who lead their homes, who lead their church. And Father, we pray today that everybody that came today, I pray that they've been encouraged. But more than that, Lord, I pray they've been challenged to go deep with you and to serve you and to give their absolute best for you. So now, Lord, in the real pinnacle and the apex of our service, as we stand in your honor and as we worship you one more time in song, we want to commit and dedicate our lives to you in this public invitation For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, ladies and teenagers, everybody else, would y'all go ahead and stand with me? And Terry's going to lead us in a song of worship and a song of commitment. Say, God bless you, even now as we come.